And I know it's gonna be A lovely Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition, a Super Bowl week edition of the Pewter Report podcast, energized by Celsius. I'm John Ledyard, along with Scott Reynolds here on the opening day of Super Bowl week in Tampa Bay for Tampa Bay. Scott, I know we wish we could be out there in person, boots on the ground, but other than that, it really doesn't get much better than this. What a way to kick off the week. Yeah, really, John. It, it's it's pretty amazing, right? I mean, when the Bucks made the Super Bowl and they earned their spot in there by beating the Packers at Lambeau Field in the NFC Championship game, you know, you, you kind of pinch yourself a little bit. You're like, wow, did they really do it? And then you have this bye week, which they didn't have back in 2002. It went right from the NFC Championship game on one Sunday to Super Bowl Sunday the next without any cushion. So you had kind of like a little bit of a bye week. Then all of a sudden, bam, conference calls galore with Bruce Arians, the entire coaching staff, several select star Buccaneer players. And uh, it's certainly been a, a wild start to Super Bowl week. We appreciate all you out there in Pewter Nation joining us here on the Pewter Report podcast. We've got a lot to talk about. We're going to compare the Bucks Super Bowl teams yeah. in 2002 and 2020. I'll give you my opinion on which units were the better unit and, and then which – team grades out to be the better team right. even before yeah, I, the game was played right i can't wait to pick your brain about that a little bit we'll also take questions from fans if you have any questions let them fly we will try to get to them we also have a lot to tuck on to touch on it's not a typical uh like a victory monday q a podcast because we have to we want to talk about and fill you in on some of the stuff that happened in media day right. because it wasn't a normal media day you weren't able to see every single presser probably at this point like you would have in a regular media day nor were at, I was all media able, able to be at a lot of different pressers because we were kind of locked in our Zoom calls and there wasn't as much bouncing around, I don't think. And so there will be a lot to talk about on today's show that you haven't heard. And we'll also give some injury updates as well. And it's all going to be brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. Well, John, it's time to promote Celsius. That's right, baby. Podcast. Oh, we both got orange. Yes. Let's go. Add an orange. Now, here's the great thing about this orange, John. This is not the only orange I have. You know why I have more than this orange? Because, because I picked on the banner on pewterreport.com, went to Amazon, and then I subscribed and saved 30% off my order. That's right. You can save 30% off Celsius right now. If you've wanted to try Celsius, now's your opportunity to do it and save a bunch of money. All you have to do is click on those Celsius banners on pewterreport.com. They're going to take you to Amazon, where almost all of the Amazon Celsius inventory is 30% off when you subscribe and save. Now, what that means is, is you make sure that you don't have, um, or I should say, that you make sure that you don't run out of Celsius. Yeah. And, and what you do is you can put your initial order in, and gosh, with Amazon Prime, you get it like the next day. And then after that, you can schedule your next delivery for two weeks, four weeks, eight weeks, whenever you want your next order of Celsius, and you'll save money on that too. It's a tremendous promotion right now. So if you want to uh, get the, the variety pack or any of the different Celsius heat or the regular Celsius slim cans, the, the Celsius is made with the, the green tea. Uh, most of it is on sale, 30% off, subscribe and save now through February 8th. So be sure to take advantage of this and make sure you stay tuned to the end of this podcast for your chance to win a three-month supply of Celsius. That's right, like 96 yeah. cans of right. Celsius. So be Can't sure to stay that. tuned for that. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. Can't beat it. It's an awesome deal. Celsius doing some great stuff. Bucks are also doing some great stuff, Scott, and we got to talk to a bunch of them today. Almost overwhelming in the format, but we got yes. media calls, Zooms calls with, with the Bucks assistant coaches 
from 11 to 11.30 was like offensive coaches and a couple strength and conditioning, and then more strength and conditioning and defensive coaches from 11.30 to noon. So we had to kind of like separate, you know, all of us kind of split up and we didn't get everybody, but we got, tried to get a little bit of everybody or most of everybody and, and hear some sound bites and some takeaways. I, of course, if, if you've listened to the pod before, you know that I've got a little bit of a man crush on my guy, Kevin Garver. Uh, yep. Man, I just think he gives great information and I love what, that he's not afraid to share some stuff and talk about his players realistically instead of saying everybody's got to get better and stuff like that. Like it's football. Like you could say like guys got to get better in certain areas right. or guys are good. So I was over there talking to him. I got some good insight from him on Mike Evans and playing in the slot and how that's changed this season. Also what he sees in Tyler Johnson uh, and how he's developed this year and how hard he works and some of the other comments that he had on receivers that we'll get to in the show. You were over with what coach Arians, right? And you got to hear what Bruce had to say and he had some injury updates for everybody. Yeah, he sure did. So let's get to that. What he Mm -hmm. said was, and let me go to pewterreport.com and I will read you his quote verbatim because it's kind of important to hear right from the horse's mouth what the latest injury updates are for four injured Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce said, and we're, the four we're talking about, of course, are both safeties and Juan Winfield Jr., who missed the Packers game with an ankle injury, Jordan Whitehead, who injured his shoulder, making a hero play, knocking the ball out of Aaron Jones's hands in the third quarter that led to a Buccaneers touchdown, and then Antonio Brown, who missed the second half of that Saints game and then also missed the Packers game with a knee injury. And then Levante David, we finally kind of got some info about Levante's hamstring injury. Not serious at all, thankfully. He tweaked it in the third quarter of the Packers game. I asked Bruce that question today. So Bruce had to say, uh, I saw them today with the trainers. Antoine looks a little bit better. Antonio's getting close. He did a little bit on Thursday. We'll see how sore he is. Jordan, it's way too early to tell still. And then when it came to Levante, he said uh, it happened in the third quarter of the Green Bay game. It's a very slight one, but we've been nursing him. We're going to make sure that he's ready. He was running out there pretty good today. Uh, you'd have to shoot him to get him out of this game. So not going to do that. So it sounds like he's going to play. <laughs> pretty encouraging report right there, I think, for, from uh, from Bruce Arians. I would suspect that by, by the end of the week, uh, I think unless there is just something holding uh, Jordan Whitehead back with with a structural type mm-hmm. of damage with that shoulder, not saying he has that, but, I mean, that would be the only thing keeping him out is if he would really go in there and re-injure that or worsen his condition, I think. Right, yeah, exactly. It sounds like he's going to be okay, and he's somebody that probably doesn't need a million reps before right. they play the game either, obviously. So it seems like they're going to be close to full strength. Jordan Whitehead's the one to really monitor. Chiefs had a COVID issue come up today. Uh, yeah. Close contacts with wide receiver Demarcus Robinson and backup center guard Daniel Kilgore. Remember, their offensive line's already banged up. Kilgore's yeah. a veteran, uh, one of the leaders, uh, even though he doesn't start right now. It's probably their top guy off the bench. So, you know, he's a, it's a loss for them if he doesn't play. And Robinson has been their wide receiver three or even two at some points of this season. Yeah. Sammy Watkins is back, so he'll bump to at least three, and, and they kind of rotate people in at that spot. So not like a major loss, but if, they, if they're if they lost, or, you know, they're just close contact, so they'll be monitored over the next couple of days, and they still, I think, can be cleared in time for the game, I believe. Although tomorrow that may not be true if there are close contacts. I'm not yeah. trying to figure out how they add up the days exactly, but uh, I don't think that uh, – I think that you start getting into trouble territory tomorrow if something were to happen. I really just pray both sides. COVID is not – yeah, main concern for this game. Obviously, we don't want that. Scott, I got to ask you this just to put it out on the table. Hold on one second. Let's yeah, just jump to the, get the super chat in, and then I'll ask. Heard so much Mahomes this, Mahomes that today. It's sickening. Hope it pisses off the Bucks D. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of funny because that, that reminds me a little bit of what John Gruden said during the Super Bowl season when when they played the Falcons, uh, the, the Michael Vick Falcons at Raymond James Stadium. And Monty Kiffin came out with a tremendous game plan. They shut Michael Vick down. I think they even knocked him out of the game. Um, Vick had a, had a horrible showing. It was a Buccaneer blowout, and uh, you know, and that's that was a famous clip. It would have gone viral had there been social media back in the day, John. If there was Twitter, it would have would have gone viral for sure. Yeah. But John Gruden says all week long, you know, we hear about the great Michael Vick, but nobody was talking about our defense, you know, and that mm-hmm. was. That was something that you you know 
yeah. that John Gruden was poking the bear all week long. You know, Michael Vick this, Michael Vick that. Haven't heard about you. Haven't heard a word about you, Simeon Rice, or you, mm -hmm. Warren Sapp, or you, John Lynch, or Rondé Barber, or Derek Brooks. You know, Gosh, I can just imagine those guys frothing at the mouth. Oh, <laughs> like, oh yeah, yeah, what a bunch and, of animals. Big time, big time, and 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 it's that type of of um, you know of disrespect, really. And and I think that that there is the opportunity for this this week. All of the talk is going to be about Patrick Mahomes and how he had his way for 400 plus yards mm -hmm. against the the Buccaneer defense. Tyreek Hill, 200 yards, three touchdowns, you know, in the first quarter. So I I think that that you're gonna you're gonna see the Bucks defense really come out with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder this week. Yeah, for sure. I did laugh a little bit at that because it's like Super Bowl week and the best player in the planet right now is Patrick Holmes and he's playing. And so obviously we're going to hear a lot about him, yeah. but definitely from the Bucks D perspective, you hope it does piss him off for sure. This yeah. was a, this was a good question from Chris D and I, this is where my question kind of spins off my question to you, Scott, is he says, how would you rank the importance of the four injured bucks right now from who you want the most to come back to the least, like the, the Bucks could survive without that player. Um, my question to you that kind of spins off of this, and feel free to answer this one too, but if the Bucs are going to play this traditional Bruce Arians way where they're going to go deep a ton and like yeah. that's going to be their offense, they're going to – whether you and I want them to run the ball in third and two or not doesn't matter. Like whether we want the offense to have like a little bit more schema guy open on third and two, get the first down and let's get yeah. – you know. If they're going to be this offense that takes their vertical shots, whether we like it or not, Right. Wouldn't you almost rather Scotty Miller? I mean, he has been their best vertical threat all yes. season long. It isn't just Brady Nim's connection. He's caught and finished everything. And Mike Evans, frankly, has not in that situation. Yeah. I'm not saying he's a better receiver than Evans, obviously, but right. as a pure vertical threat, like, don't you want Scotty Miller in the game more than like eight snaps of Antonio Brown's coming back? This is the Super Bowl, man. You need these big plays. Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, when I, when I rank the importance of the four, I would put Levante David first. Right, I think there's a significant yes. drop off between he and Kevin Minter at that other linebacker spot. So, I would Especially want Monte in, in there first, and Antoine Winfield Jr. Uh, I would want him second, and and then George Whitehead third, and then Antonio Brown in that order. I think Winfield. And no, no disrespect to, to Whitehead, but um, I, I think that that Winfield, because of his ability to play deep, I think this is a game and Todd Bowles. Saw it a little too late, but he made the adjustments to, to go more um, uh, double coverage with yeah. the safety over the top. And one of the adjustments that, that I noticed in re-watching the Week 12 performance again today was, was when they started out in single high in that Week 12 game against Kansas City. The free safety, Winfield, was parked about 13 yards off the line of scrimmage, which that's been about normal for the Buccaneers this year. But then after Tyreek Hill beat him a couple times, then you saw him being parked 16 to 18 yards off the ball. Yeah. So just, just getting back about five more yards. And, and, and part of the reason for that is because on two of those shots, on uh, the second and third touchdowns by Winfield, which you, or I'm sorry, by Hill, which you saw in those plays, the second one was, was where Hill was lined up in the slot against Carlton Davis, and he basically just dragged across the entire field. And Davis was in his hip pocket the whole way, but just could not keep up with him. Winfield actually was, wasn't Winfield on that play. It was, it was Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards just couldn't get over in time. And when he did, he got juked at the five yard line. And, uh, and so it was just a step late, not being in an ideal coverage. And then on the third touchdown, which was a 20 yard shot. Uh, yeah, here's the, here's the play we're talking about right here. Uh, you can see Edwards gets over and then just, just couldn't make the play over, ran it. Yeah. And, then, and you can see he's shaded to that side when it starts. Yeah. yeah. He just gets depth and never, yeah, that's yeah. where you got to break. And and then on the other play, uh, that was the, the 20 yard touchdown pass from, uh, from Mahomes to Hill. Uh, Carlton Davis was all over him. Yeah. But, but the, the problem was they were in a single high at that, at that look. And it was such a bang, bang play that Winfield just didn't have enough time to cover the ground necessary to help out. Yeah. And it was interesting because uh, when you look at, at at what Bulls did after that, um, there were three straight plays where, where they went to cover two down there in the red zone right at the end of the first half. And Mahomes was incomplete, incomplete, incomplete. 
And part of that was because you saw the front four come to life. Jason Pierre-Paul was, was really aggressive. Will Golston flushed him out of the pocket on a play. Shaq Barrett flushed him out of the pocket. But they, they were in cover, too, down there by the red zone. That really made things difficult for Patrick Mahomes. Mm -hmm. So that was an adjustment that they made too little too late. But I, I think going forward, you need to have a lot more cover, too, especially in the red zone, just because Hill is so fast and he right. doesn't need just a step. Yeah, I mean, rewatching the game, the biggest thing that stands out to me is how Carlton Davis gave up like 200 yards and did that, but he didn't even play that poorly. I felt like, you know, I, yeah, I, I really do think he played like even in that slot rep, he gets his hand, he gets a jam on Tyree Kill. He gets yeah. juked and still recovers, gets a jam on him. He just can't run that fast. I mean, it was yeah. just that simple, you know, and so, right. yeah, I, I think he's, I think he played about really for most of those reps about as well um, as he could, uh, to be honest. So there's, there's a lot to look for in this game uh, when you talk about the safeties. And I think you're right about Antoine Winfield in that regard, like the versatility and everything that he shows. So I'm, I'm with you that I, I think they need him out there in this game. It sounds like he's going to be good to go. Um, and it sounds like Levante is going to be good to go. And to me, those are the two most important guys. Yeah. I really think they can win without AB. Now AB could go off yeah. for like 150 yards and win right. Super Bowl MVP. That's definitely true. There's a lot of people that could do that. There's a, This is a two extremely loaded rosters. You know, this isn't, Patriots Rams from a couple years ago where like you were like who could win MVP in this game like it isn't really like that and this is you know these guys are are legit loaded on both sides of the ball so yeah I think that um and Tony I just think if you're gonna play that way now I see people say no can't keep throwing deep like bad things are gonna happen I get it I mean I agree but like we know to at least some extent that's what's gonna happen um you know they did it well against Kansas City actually in week 12 four of seven on 20 plus air yard throws I thought one of the first ones in the game really should have been caught by Mike Evans, and I'll talk about that a little bit later in the pod and then in my Bucks briefing tomorrow. But uh, I thought they really were on target pretty much with, with a couple of those, you know, and then obviously had the one intercepted uh, down the sideline that was uh, Brady got hit kind of as he was throwing it. Yeah. And so there is, yeah, there is obviously the risk to throwing deep for sure. But at the same time, that's what this team does. I'm not saying go away from it completely, right. but I am saying it's just something you got to be like you know, conscious of. Here's two X factors that we really need to consider, John, is is when you look at, at two players that were not on the field on defense in week 12. Jamel Dean, right, the Bucks' fastest corner, was was not in the field. And so I, I think that that we saw Miko Hardman, we saw Sammy Watkins, we saw Tyree Kill, we saw Travis Kelsey, we saw all of the Chiefs' weapons on, on display in that game, from Le'Veon Bell to Clyde Edwards-Alaire, right? I mean, everybody that, that's going to play on Sunday on the Chiefs' offense was there mm. from a weapon standpoint. But there were two key Buccaneers that weren't. Jamel Dean, he might get the assignment against Tyreek Hill. Vita Vea is another one. He wasn't there in Week 12. We saw his impact in pushing the pocket back um, into the lap of Aaron Rodgers, driving the center right back into his his lap, and that that prevented Rodgers from stepping up in the pocket. And what that does is is that that keeps him back there at that five to seven yard landmark behind the line of scrimmage, and that's exactly where Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul converge. And and in uh, a lot of times, what happens is those tackles will drive edge rushers behind the quarterback. The quarterback steps up, right? Well, that that didn't happen. And it couldn't happen up there in Green Bay very often because of Vita Vea pushing the pockets. One thing I asked Larry Foote today was how big of an impact was he? He's mm-hmm. like, it was a huge impact for yeah. that reason. Quarterbacks just can't step up in the pocket. And, John, we saw a couple times Patrick Mahomes stepping up in the pocket, not just to throw the ball, but to escape and scramble for yards. And that's something yeah. that, that might might be clogged up with Vita Vea's presence too. So it would be interesting to see how Todd Bowles deploys Jamel Dean if he puts him on Miko Hardman uh, away from Tyreek Hill, or if he puts him on Tyreek Hill instead of Carlton Davis. So th- that's going to be an X factor. I think Vita Vea against this, this banged-up Chiefs offensive line is also going to be an X factor. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody asked – I will get to try and get to all these. There's been a bunch of scheme questions here, and I'm kind of surprised. It's also awesome. You know, We will talk more about that on Wednesday as we as we always do on the show. But, uh, yeah, there's some, there's some really good questions here. One of the questions was – let me see if I rolled past it – but. It was uh, something about the Bucks defending the quick throws or something like that. Or the uh, here it is: the short passes to Kelsey. They kill the Bills with when you're playing cover two. Uh, Terrence yeah. Davis asked, "How do you stop those 
Um, somebody else asked a good question. Do you think the Chiefs come out with a quick game and get the ball out fast to keep the Bucks D-line at bay, considering the O-line injury issues? These kind of go hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah, I think stopping the short pass, yes, the Chiefs will come out, I think, and they will try to get the ball out quickly, scheme stuff. Their RPO game killed the Bucks last time. They're yeah. going to want the Bucks to prove they can stop it, and so that it's it's tough. And John, John, you, you know you know what the Chiefs want you to come up and and play press man. They they, they want that. They want to bait you into that with with the short passes, right? With the little, and we saw a ton of them by mm-hmm. Mahomes. You know, I went back and watched the film again. Today. It was amazing. We remember the the shot plays, the touchdowns, but the, they were nickel and diamond the Buccaneers. Five yards here, seven yards here, four yards here, right? And and it, it, their their passing game is is really an extension of the of the running game. I mean, it, yeah, they use it instead of the run in right. so many instances. And right. and they they want you to get so frustrated that you come up there and jam those guys. And then Miko Hardman and Tyreek Hill, right? They've got the speed to break that jam, and they're gone. Right. Yeah, that's what they want. That's how they get their their big shot plays. Yep, is is kind of forcing you to become impatient, get up there, take away the short stuff, and then they're going to hit you deep. Right. And it's hard because if they do that quick game stuff, then you can't get the you can't get home as a, right. create, while creating pressure. You know, I think we we will say all week that the Bucks defensive line is the key to whether they have success or not. Yeah. But when we say that, it's important that we always people understanding and understand how we're quantifying that in saying that they may have success and the Chiefs may still throttle them. <laughs> like that could right. happen. Like it's it kind of happened in the last game. I felt like the Bucks defensive line honestly played pretty well against the Chiefs in Week 12, and yep. it just didn't matter. And the Chiefs offensive line's in a worse spot now. And you know, again, like I'm just saying, Mahomes is so good at creating space to throw, so good at needing very little time and space to throw, and they have so many quick game scheme you open concepts that it becomes really difficult to get pressure. So I agree though, Vea is key in this game. The edge guys I think are key in this game, but they can do everything right. And the process you know, could be good, and they could still get a bad result because of how Mahomes uh, plays the position. It's so unique and so difficult to stop. But you're right. Obviously, that's one of the things. And so how do you take away Kelsey in that quick game is going to be one of the keys to the game. Yeah. And, I mean, I think that there's no there's no one way, but you are writing about this for this week, Scott. Yeah. Like, hammer so this dude at the line of scrimmage, right? Yes. <laughs> I was so disappointed. I, I'm watching him, right? And, and And I would say the two primary guys that guarded Kelsey – uh, in zone or in man coverage were Levante David and Sean Murphy Bunting, the slot corner. And I was just so disappointed that that uh, Kelsey had so many times where he had free releases off the line of scrimmage. And you just can't do that because the, the Chiefs, when they're not throwing deep to, to uh, Hill or, or Hardman, um, or even to Kelsey down the seam, when they're, when they're doing the underneath stuff, like you said, it's RPO, it's short, rhythmic-type passing. Uh, and and if, if you want to disrupt that, you have to make the quarterback hold on to the ball by by ensuring that his primary or even secondary read is is obstructed. It, and, you, and you throw up that timing by by jamming a guy. We talked about the dangers of doing that with speed merchants like Hardman and Hill that just if you don't get the jam, they're gone. They have steps behind you, and you better hope their free safety is paying attention over the top. With Kelsey, it's a little bit different. He's a fast guy. There were plenty of plays where he just smoked Levante David, and Levante can still run even at age 31. But, but John, when, when you give him a head start, when he gets off the line of scrimmage unencumbered, uh, Kelsey wins. Yeah. He finds the holes in zones. He, he knows how to pivot. And create separation out of his breaks. He's the and best route running tight end I've ever seen. He just, he just is. And yeah. so to me, I, I think against Kelsey, you have to do the opposite that you want to do against Hill and at Hardman. Don't play those guys and, and press man. But but I think that it that it it bears pressing or at least rerouting. If you're gonna play zone, put somebody at the line of scrimmage, a linebacker or a nickel corner, whether it's Ross Cockrell, whether it's Sean Murphy bunting and get some hands on him and slow down that route from developing. I think the most important thing is, is hitting him with an edge guy. If he's in line or even reduce split, put your edge guy out there and hammer him and then rush the quarterback. I mean, we're, we've already conceded the fact that you're, you're not going to catch Patrick Holmes staying in the pocket flat foot. Oh, you got a great sack. You don't want him. It just doesn't happen very often. So I'd hammer Kelsey at the line of scrimmage, then get into your rush. He'll slow down the rush, but that's where you got Bay inside in this game and that's where you're going to need him to make an impact and that's where you'll need blitz packages right. to make an impact you know bring the blitz from the other side and so 
they have to get creative with that kind of stuff. Obviously, Todd Bulls knows that. I think he will. You know, this isn't going to be a game where they just roll up and press. You know, I was in Kevin Ross, the cornerbacks coach for the Bucks. I was in his uh, Q and A today, and he was talking. I asked him straight up. I was like, "Yeah, I know y'all wanted me to ask him, so I asked him straight up. I was like, listen." You didn't press a lot of the season, and now you're pressing the last two games to great results. You know what inspired the change, and how has it gone, and will it go? You know, I guess for the future game plans. And yeah. he didn't really say a lot about. He was like, "There's two different ways to play in the NFL. You can hang back and let people do what they want to you, or you can get up to the line of scrimmage and punch them in the mouth." So clearly, Kevin Ross is a fan of the move to press man coverage. He didn't address the fact that they hadn't used it very much this season until now. But he said we choose we've chosen to be one of those teams that gets aggressive. So he seems like yeah. he's pumped about it. But he also did say that you can't just do that against the Chiefs, Scott. He you said no, you can't. right. And you and I have talked about this. You can't just right. line up with the Chiefs. They're and not really like that as a team. They're not normal. It stinks because what's worked the last two weeks, maybe even three, if you go back to yeah. Washington, was was the aggressive press man and 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 some blitzing, right? That, that's what's worked. Uh, against Aaron Rodgers, uh, although they didn't do blitz as much because they yeah, were I mean, they got pressure with four really they for did. the first yeah, time in a while. Game. Those two games, um, I mean, even the Saints game, they they yeah. created some pressure even though there was no like he throws the ball so quick it didn't matter a ton. But there was right. times where they got through it in twist games and things like yeah. that. And 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 so, but you, you can have to scrap what's worked and then have a devise a different game plan against Kansas City. Yeah, we've already talked about some of those things. I'm going to be addressing a whole bunch more with some really cool video clips that John's helped me out with in my SRS Fab Five, which will come out on Friday or maybe Thursday night. Oh yeah, we'll have to see. But it's going to be a good one. And uh, and Charlie brings up a good question here. Charlie Abrams, uh, think there will be a spy of sorts uh, in some instances. You know what? Um, I, I I've kind Kevin? of thought that. Devin White? And, yeah, yeah I, I think so. Maybe Devin White, just because Mahomes scrambled enough right. in that game. And it was interesting because I'm going to break down two two specific plays. Mahomes' longest rush of the game was actually 17 yards. They ran a, a, an option play in the first half down there by by their own goal line. It was a, a uh, an option where uh, they had a, a double tight end uh, side, and, and Mahomes was running to the strong side. Le'Veon Bell was the pitch guy, and he ended up pitching to Bell for eight yards. And, okay, that worked. And then they came back to that, and I believe the third quarter is in the second half. And for some reason, Devin White and the corner went to the pitch guy. Le'Veon corner blitz. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so they ran a blitz into the RPOs. Yeah, and case all of a sudden, Mahomes ran for 17 yards, right? And so uh, as as, a, as a, a former Pop Warner defensive coordinator, I'll tell you that uh, when plays work, teams usually run them again, right? Yeah. And if, if you're going to run a play twice and get eight yards, which is a win, and 17 yards, which is even more of a win, if I'm Kansas City, I'm going to try that play again right? just to make sure that, that you haven't stopped it. And if you haven't, then I would expect to get at least eight or 17 or somewhere in between on that particular play again. Right. Yeah. But I ignore what I said, by the way, I thought you were describing a different play, but yeah, you're right. No, that the play where Mahomes runs for 17. Yeah. It's a matter of not being a Simon sound. And that's where Devin white seems yeah. like he's grown honestly over the last couple of weeks. He wasn't like the worst player on the field in this game. Like there were other games this season where he was really like teams were just going right at him. You know, I, I know there were some RPOs on him, but honestly, I think he defended him about as well as you can, uh, given the alignments that the Bucks were in. You know, that one to Tyree Kill where he's uncovered in the slot, and that's the one I was describing where they blitzed Cockerell, yeah. and, and then so they right. didn't have anything. Honestly, Mahomes probably should have – I know he's just reading Devin White. If Devin White steps, he's throwing to Hill. If he, yeah. if he hangs back and hangs over Hill, he's handing it off. But honestly, if he'd had more time for been a regular play, he just would have thrown the second slant because Cockrell blitzed and he blitzed in an RPO, which is terrible. And so right. he had Hardman probably would have been a touchdown. But obviously, that's not where Mahomes is, is looking on that play. But I say all that to say I think the Chiefs are going to look and they're going to say, "Oh, our RPO game was was killing them. Let's see if you know we can make it happen again." And and the zone read stuff too. If Mahomes is healthy, now I'll say this about the spy: I think you have you know maybe certain instances where that could be the case and you certainly have a good one in Devin White to be able to do it but I also don't I, I don't know that you want to put a guy in that role when you need everybody in coverage you know it's that's right. a little bit tricky you yeah. know um there were some quarterbacks in the past where they were amazing running quarterbacks right. but you could feel like maybe you could afford to 
to you know have a spy in that situation because they didn't threaten you quite as much with their arm. That's not Mahomes, obviously. You have to be ready for both. So I'm not sure we'll see a spy all the time, yeah. uh, especially with Mahomes not and maybe at 100. Percent like a spot instance spot situation, yeah. yeah, you know, to, Draw to make situation or something, yeah. Right. Well, hey, we're still talking about the Bucks defense and this Chiefs offense, John. Uh, Evan Harrison's got a good question. What do you think? Would you would you say stopping Kelsey or Hill is more important? Uh, Hill, Hill, yeah, yeah. Because we already saw that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, I mean, both are stopping important. You know, you can answer this question, and and I'd say most of the time you say Hill, you're probably right. But I mean, it's possible you could stop Hill and Kelsey kills you, and there have other guys too, and so they get you know they kill you enough to 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 not make it matter which one you stopped. You know the. Right. Uh, the essence of the game is you have to stop them on money downs and in the red zone. Like if you, yeah. if you can hold them 27 points again, you probably win the win the game. I think. Um, yeah. Is that going to happen again? I, I don't think so, but you can win the game if you don't, I think. But um, if you hold them to 27, I think you, you win the game. So right. you got two stops in the red zone last time. I mean, yes. Did the chiefs blow it on the, on the, on the Philly special. I cut that yeah. play for you. I was like, what yeah. is Kelsey even thinking? Like moms is just wide open, just right in front of him. I just don't know <laughs> yeah. what he was thinking. And he didn't throw the ball. He didn't throw the ball. He didn't. I just, man, that was a bizarre. But you have to probably catch one or two like that maybe in this game. And there was plenty of bad luck for both teams in this game, honestly. They, yeah. The fact that this final score was 27-24, I think I said this last week on the podcast, it's got to be one of the biggest anomalies of the whole NFL season. I mean, right. the Bucks had like four, three drops at the beginning of the game, missed that big play to Evans on the sideline, had two turnovers in Chiefs territory when they were like inside of 30 or something like right. that. Like one was a weird fluky playoff, a bounce off Talman. They blew a protection on the other one. They had another, you know, weird play that I haven't seen them run all season, a little fake and swing pass out to Fournette. They lost four yards in the red zone. I think they ended up settling for a field goal on that drive, if I remember right. And so like inside the 10, the Bucks like never goal to go situations. Like right. they're like the best team in the league other than the Packers in that this season. So they're and then the Chiefs messing up too, and the touchdown to Michael Hardman from 80 yards. I mean, this game could have been in the 40s if both offenses were right. playing at the level they're capable. I mean, that's I still think Chiefs were better. So I still say they yeah. would want it in week 12, but it could have been like 40 36 type of craziness. I mean, that's how many points were left on the floor in this game. John Vincent uh, Wright asks, I'm still worried about our special teams, kickoffs and punts. What do y'all think? Well, I, I think certainly when you look at Miko Hardman's speed, right, he's he's a player uh, that, and we didn't see Green Bay really strike fear in Tampa Bay's coverage units. And, and maybe it's because they got an ass chewing from what happened in New Orleans, right? Um, yeah. But but uh, the little speedster from New Orleans, you know, he could have been a difference maker had he not um, gotten hurt. He injured his shoulder. But this was was a cat that had what a, a, about a fifty five yard punt return, and then had another one for a touchdown that thankfully was called back due to a penalty. But uh, I mean, all of a sudden, it looked like the Bucks just simply couldn't cover punt returns in in that Saints game, and and you know, Kansas City didn't really do much in in the return game. In the first meeting, but when you have a guy with Hardman speed, um, you know, and, and even Demarcus Robinson, I mean, those guys can flat out fly. Yeah, oh yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, when you have that kind of speed, you're dead. Look at Michael Hardman. I mean, he muffs the punt inside and gives the Bills an early nine nothing lead, and then boom, there he goes, like on a reverse, you know, or an end around or whatever it was, you know, fifty some yards, and like I mean, they just have guys that just based on their traits can just. They put them in positions to succeed with their traits. That's what they do so well. I mean, McCormick has not been a great, you know, every down player for them, but he can he can change the game in one or two plays because they will put him in position to use his best abilities. That's the mark of just great coaching. When you have guys that are just role guys, but they can change the Super Bowl, not because of how great they are, but because you know exactly how to use them and when to use them and where to line them up and all that kind of stuff. That really is the essence of this game, Scott. I mean, the, the Chiefs, as much as we'll talk about Mahomes and, and it's will be deserved, and as much as we'll talk about Kelsey and Hill, I mean, Andy Reid is just brilliant. Um, and yeah. Andy Reid off a of bye is deadly. Um, and so the fact that he has extra time to prepare for this, yeah, he's going to have plays uh, that they've never seen before. There's no question in my mind. He'll have RPOs they haven't seen before. Uh, he'll have plays in the red zone that they haven't seen before. This is the Super Bowl. Like, Andy Reid is going to be holding a couple cards that you haven't seen all season long are the Bucks? Yeah, are the Bucks going to be holding a couple cards, Scott, that we haven't seen all season long. It's not; they are like as different. <laughs> the Chiefs is—I mean, they are not 
They don't run any RPOs. They right. are you know near the bottom of the league in play action rate. Right? A little bit better yeah. over the since the bye week, but really not that much over the last couple weeks in the playoffs. Like they, they don't do any, any motion at the snap, really. Hardly any. The Chiefs yeah. do a ton of motion at the snap. I mean, I cut those plays for you, Scott. Scott asked me to cut them about 16 first half plays that he's going to use in his in his fab uh, this week. And it was unbelievable how many times motion before the snap told Mahomes exactly what was coming. Motion at the snap yeah. got somebody open. One of those two things is true all the time. It forced the Bucs to constantly show their hand. Right. Like, oh, this is going to be cover three. Like you could see it. I could see it pre snap. I'm like, Man, if I can see it, I know Mahomes can see it, and I know he knows exactly where to go with right. the ball all of a sudden. So that's what he's able to get the ball out quick, and he's able to get it out so the pressure doesn't matter, so the O-line doesn't matter. So that's all the things that I think make it such a tough matchup is the Bucks have to do some of these things and have to show a little bit more creativity to beat a beast like this, in my opinion. It'll yeah. be interesting to see if they have any tricks that they up their sleeve with an extra you know week to practice. It's so tough, right, when you're going up against a – uh, a blitz-heavy coordinator like Steve Spagnola, right? And and he blitzed what forty-seven percent of the time in Week Twelve against against mm-hmm. Tom Brady. Yeah, and, and I think what the Bucks did was was they went, uh, especially in the first half, they went empty on a lot of third downs, third and short mm-hmm. situations, to try to prevent the Chiefs from from blitzing, right? Because if if you got five eligibles out there and you're bringing one or two more, then it's definitely one-on-one coverage. And in and, and some of those instances, Spagnuolo's defense won because Brady got pressured. And yeah. I don't like the call because third, third and two is, is what kind of down, John? It's a rundown. It's a rundown. It's right. Third and two is a rundown. Run the ball, right? If, For if as much as we rip on the Bucks' run game, and deservedly yeah. so, they right. do not lose yardage very often. No, they typically don't. because it's just right up the a gaps. Like just third and two is a rundown. You're averaging four yards. You have Ronald Jones averaging five yards a carry, right? I mean, uh, Leonard Fournette is averaging over three yards a carry. I think he's around four. Okay, third and two is a rundown. Sean, I mean, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Jensen, um, Alex Kappa, you know, when he was in there, you know, formidable guy, can get you a couple yards. Aaron Stinney, I, I believe in him. Uh, Ali Marpet, yeah, why not, right? If you only get a yard against the run either. Yeah, if you only get a yard, what are you doing on fourth and one, John? Yeah, run Tom Brady's team. Right. He's going to get it. Especially in this game, especially yeah, against the Chiefs. He always gets it, right? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It's like when, uh, you know, when you go empty on third and two, uh, I, I hate that because mm-hmm. you're you're telegraphing it's going to be a pass. Yeah, because you and, can't quarterback doesn't run. Right, and, and so so I, I just can't stand it. We saw that too much in in the first game. And you know, John, you go back and you look. Third downs told the tale of that game. The Chiefs were six of twelve, I believe, on third down. The Bucks were three of nine on third downs. So that's fifty percent for Kansas City on third down. 33% for Tampa Bay. Yeah, bad game on third down for the Bucs. Real bad game. It just was. It just was. Yeah. And they haven't been a bad third down team all season long. But again, yeah. it was one of those games that revealed how bad, how poorly first down. If you play with fire with yeah. first down, like the Bucs have most of the season, you're eventually going to get burned on third downs. Like I said, even the best yeah. teams on third down only do it about 45% of the time. So it's just, it's right. not a good, not a smart living, as they say. Like it's not. Uh, you want to be in more. You want to be converting more right. first and, downs. And I, on first I think down. that's one of the better adjustments the Bucks have made since the bye week. John is running the ball more in third and short situations, in trusting that run game, and 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 if anything, you're you're not tipping the defense off to what's coming. Right? You can you can be in twelve mm-hmm. personnel and run or pass the ball in third and two. I like that. I don't mind passing the ball in third and two, but when you go empty. You're just telegraphing it's going to be a pass, right? Right. I agree with you. Yeah, you can pass, but yeah. what about a little play action, man? Like third and two? Right. You kidding I, me? I mean, Everybody's got to read their run. If they don't, that's a first yeah. down automatically. Like everybody's got to take their run steps. Should be John, a cash money play action situation. John, if you're Tyron Matthew, right, and you see empty on third and two, what would you bet? What would you bet that Tom Brady's going to do? Throw the football. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna throw the football right throw the football yeah he's gonna throw the football now if if tom brady or myself or you or any of our pewter report readers listeners or viewers wanted to place a bet where would they go to do that oh my bookie yeah that's an easy one i know that one right off the bat mybookie.ag that's right so can the all-time goat get it done against the future goat right that's what everybody wants to see 
Brady and Mahomes going head-to-head. Everyone's talking about who's going to win the big game. Whether you're a Chiefs fan or a Bucks fan, remember, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why I always tell my friends and our Pew Report readers and listeners and viewers to go to my bookie to do that. My bookie has all the big props for the big game. These guys truly let you bet on anything, whether it's the length of the national anthem, the MVP, the color of the sports drink dumped on the winning coach. My bookie has a buffet of Bucks and Chiefs prop bets for you to chew on. You can even win big on NFL squares. They got a cool NFL squares game up there. So no need to leave the comfort of your home. You can access the sports book and casino right from your phone on their mobile app. Don't miss out on the last game of the year. It's the biggest game of the year. Sign up at MyBookie today and use promo code Pewter to have your deposit matched halfway all the way up to $1,000. That's a free cash bonus just for making your initial deposit. Use promo code Pewter to claim the offer. Bet, win, and get paid at MyBookie. You know, this uh, the when we talk about the matchups in this game, Scott, um, we – we tend to think a lot about the guys, the big names, right? The guys that could easily, we could easily see impacting the game. Um, but there are just so many players on both sides of this game that I could see just like, I think Scotty Miller is one of the most valuable players for the Bucks in this yeah. game. I think that he can absolutely change this game if they use him enough. If they if they use him enough, I absolutely think that he could change this game. I think, like I said, Nicole Hardman is one of those players. Sammy Watkins is one of those players. We've seen yeah. him do it before in the Super Bowl. You know, we've yeah. seen him make big plays in games where he did he just kind of he was barely around this season. He got hurt. He wasn't really productive. He had like 400 yards receiving this year. Mike Evans is still like, don't sleep on this guy. Today during media days, Mike Evans is raving about him. He's like, don't sleep on this guy. I'm telling you, right. he's dangerous. He's explosive. He was every bit deserving of being the top receiver drafted in our class. I was like, whoa, like, you know, Mike Evans said he's a top five guy. So we right. know he in the NFL. So, you know, he has that chip still on his shoulder, probably that he was sure. uh, not the first guy. And, but I mean, he said, he said, Sammy Watkins absolutely was deserving of that. He was an awesome, awesome player. He struggled with injuries, he said, but, um, but yeah. So he, anyway, he was uh, effusive in his praise. And I really think Sammy Watkins is still a guy that you can't forget about right. in this game. Like, he and, is you know what? a good player. We've seen it before in Tampa Bay. John, I'm going to read you some of the names of the Super Bowl MVPs. Some of these names are going to be very obvious. I'm not going to start at the, at the beginning. We're going to kind of jump in. Let's jump in at Super Bowl uh, 27, okay? Troy Aikman, you've heard of that guy, right? Hall of Fame. Yeah, right. The next Great year- job by Troy Aikman today, by the way. If you follow yeah, right. along on Twitter, you know <laughs> yeah. what I'm talking about. Troy Aikman hammered Mike Silver, and that's he a did. good thing. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> the Troy Aikman Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl 27, the next year Super Bowl 28. Emmett Smith, heard of that guy? Yeah, sure. Uh, the next year, Steve Young, five touchdowns, San Francisco 49ers. The year after that, Dallas Cowboys cornerback Larry Brown, huh? Mm. Two interceptions, right? Yep. Then the next year, Desmond Howard, kick returner for the Green Bay Packers, helping Brett Favre get that uh, one and only Super Bowl ring. 99 what if Jaden Mickens is the MVP? That's what I'm saying, right? <laughs> it's crazy. Here's some more names. Uh, after Desmond Howard, Terrell Davis. Sure, that's fine. Hall of Famer, John Elway, Hall of Famer. Kurt Warner, Hall of Famer. Ray Lewis, Hall of Famer. Tom Brady, heard of that guy? Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Dexter Jackson, huh? Free mm-hmm. safety. Two interceptions. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. For the Buccaneers in Super Bowl 37. Then you go back to Tom Brady, but then the next year, Deion Branch, kind of unheralded wide receiver for the Patriots. 11 catches, 133 yards in that game. Then Heinz Ward for uh, Bruce Arians. Uh, He was the the receiver's coach for the Steelers that year. Heinz Ward was the Super Bowl MVP with with five catches, 123 yards, and a touchdown. Didn't he throw a touchdown in that game as well? I think he did. Uh, he might have, yeah. No, I get, no, Antoine Randall threw one. Antoine Randall threw it. That's right. Yeah, two yeah. Heinz Ward. That's yeah. who it was. Right. Then you go Peyton Manning. Then you go Eli Manning. Then you go Santonio Holmes, who was uh, was Bruce Arians' uh, wide receiver. Ben Roethlisberger hit him yeah. in the corner of the end zone here in Tampa oh, yes. at that Super Bowl when Bruce yes, Arians did. was the offensive Yes, player. he did, Scott. Magic happens in yeah, this right. stadium. <laughs> It does. Oh, I had to bask in that moment. It'll be a while until the Steelers are back there again. So that's true. We'll let you have it. You know, so 
So you've got uh, Heinz Ward, then you go Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Santonio Holmes, talked about that, then Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Eli Manning, Joe Flacco, then Malcolm Smith, linebacker mm-hmm. for Seattle. Well, yep. he had got like 50 contracts after that, though. Everybody's That's like, right. come play here, come play here, and that didn't, didn't matter. He was a, a one-hit wonder, right? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, interception return for a touchdown against Peyton Manning, fumble recovery, 10 tackles, but he was the player of the game. Then you go Brady again, then Von Miller, then Brady, then Nick Foles, then Julian Edelman, then Mahomes. So there's a couple guys sprinkled in there, right, including Tampa Bay's own Dexter Jackson that, you know, he wasn't John Lynch. He wasn't Derek Brooks. He wasn't Warren Sapper, Simeon Rice, or Rondé Barber. He he was just the guy that had two interceptions in the game. And uh, wow, and- when you think about that defense, that that was the guy. Yeah. I think that'll be one of the. And that that brings me to this point, Scott, that I was going to ask you about on this show. And I know some Bucks fans in here have kind of lived through that era. I actually did live through. I mean, I was twelve. I think I just turned thirteen. No, I was about to turn thirteen when yep. the Bucks won the Super Bowl the last time. And so I do remember those teams. I was very into the NFL from the time I was like six, seven years old. Like, I mean, right. we didn't have internet. We didn't have cable. Like, I would sit at home at night waiting for my dad to get – he got work late on Mondays, and he would come back, and he'd have the newspaper, and it would have all the scores. And I often wouldn't find out who won Sunday's games until, like, Monday night. <laughs> like, I really wouldn't. So, like, I'd grab the paper. I'd, like, have my little flashlight and go over the games. Like, I was all about it. So I remember everybody on those Bucks defense. I remember the players, but I didn't watch them every game like you did, I'm sure, at the time covering the team. And so – when you look at comparisons between this year's Bucks and that Super Bowl team for the Bucs, there are yeah. obvious things that stand out right away, like the quarterback sure. position. And, and that's obviously changed a ton, and the importance of that position right. in today's NFL is, is so much greater than even what it was in the early 2000s. You know, and Brady was one of the guys that that changed that and made teams right. you know, figure out, we got to get a quarterback on this level. And yeah. so um, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on – mainly the defensive side of the ball, because I think I know across the board offensively this Bucks team, I don't know. Well, I guess let me ask you this first. Is there a position group, and I know you're going to say one, but is there, other than the one I think you're going to say, is there a position group offensively that that Bucks team was better at than this Bucks 2020 Bucks team? Yes. Yeah, the, the running back position. Okay. The running backs. Uh, yeah. Let's start at the top, right? Tom Brady versus Brad Johnson. Love you, Brad. Oh. Right, but Tom Brady, <laughs> he, he gets the nod there. But the running backs, I mean, Mike Allstott could find a way to get into the end zone. He's got mm-hmm. seven postseason touchdowns and uh, in, in Buccaneer history, including the first one in the Super Bowl. And, and I think the combination of him and Pittman, who had over 100 yards in his return to his, his home in San Diego, um, you know, I, I think those two guys were more consistent weapons than Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Oh, yeah. No doubt. So I, Other I than that, though. Yeah, that well, Bucks yeah, line wasn't on this Bucks line level, right? Correct. I, I think the wide receivers, uh, Keyshawn Johnson, Keenan McCardo, Joe Jarvis, were three very good wide receivers. Mm-hmm. But where the Bucks have them is just in the depth because it's not just Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, it's Antonio Brown, it's Scotty Miller, it's yeah. it's Tyler Johnson. It's deeper and more talented. Tight ends, Dilger and Dudley. You know they were great in their prime, but when they got to Tampa, they were past their prime. Still mm-hmm. good, solid role players. But Gronk is kind of like in that phase, but yeah. he's better than those guys were. And Cameron Braid, I think, is is kind of on par with with Dilger. So the 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 new tight ends get the the nod over the old tight ends from mm-hmm. 2002. The offensive line, John, you mentioned it. Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, even Aaron Stinney, and they're for Alex Kappa right now. And Tristan Wirfs, they get the nod over Roman Oban, Kerry Jenkins, Jeff Christie, Cozy Coleman. And, and Kenyatta Walker. They're just a, a better, more consistent group, especially in pass protection. Defense, listen, this is where – This is where it gets interesting. This is what I wanted to ask you about. Because yeah. obviously you have the proven like veteran group that won yes. the Super Bowl. Yeah. But then you have this young upstart group with some yeah. exciting people. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Listen, um, you're talking about Simeon Rice, Warren <laughs> Sapp, Greg Spires, and what, what uh, Sapp called the Chuck and Buck show in the Super Bowl. Buck Gurley and Chuck Darby filling in for the injured Anthony McFarland mm-hmm. at the nose tackle spot. And yeah, I'm going to give, Darby, I'm going to give them the edge over Jason Pierre, Paul Shaq and Dominica Sue and Vita Vea for one big reason. Cause if, if I picked this current group of pass rushers and defensive <laughs> line, Warren Sapp would literally kick my ass. And I'm more <laughs> afraid of Warren Sapp than I am of anybody currently because, uh, 
I'm, I'm just, man has nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's the QB killer. He could be the SR killer. So I'm definitely sure. going with the old school Buccaneers defensive line. But change my mind. Change my mind, Shaq and, and JPP yeah. and Vita Vea and Sue and Will Golston. Bryce and Sapp were legitimately Hall of Famers. I mean, Rice should be. I know Sapp yeah. is, but Bryce, I mean, I just, I know he wasn't great against the run or anything, but come on. Like, this guy's yeah. insane sack numbers. That's what matters. Right. Um, the linebacker core, I'm still going to give the edge to Derek Brooks and, and Shelton Quarles, who was a, a Pro Bowl middle linebacker that year. wasn't just Brooks in the Pro Bowl. Quarles was moved from strong side linebacker to middle linebacker that year. And and guess what? He he went to the Pro Bowl, uh, had had a really solid year. Al Singleton was the, uh, was the strong side linebacker. And I, just a slight nod over Levante, David, and Devin White, although I love what they did this year for the Bucs. Cornerbacks, it just listen. Yeah, Rondé Barber, one of my all-time, probably the all-time favorite Buccaneer for me, a legend. Uh, Brian Kelly that year, I think he had eight interceptions to lead the NFC. Um, so, I, and Dwight Smith, who is John, we're having a, a Super Bowl show. All right, tell the people show. And Dwight Smith, Super Bowl hero with two pick sixes, <laughs> is going to be in attendance. So we're going to have um, our our Peter report. Uh, preview podcast on Wednesday. Not going to change, 7.30. Then John's going to have a guest on, on uh, Thursday at 7.30. We're doing a special Pewter Report podcast live event mm -hmm. at Glory Days Grill, our new sponsor. You you probably heard me mention it in the SR's Fab Five on Friday. And we're going to be at the Carrollwood location on Dale Mabry, about 15 minutes north of the stadium. From noon to 2, come by and meet myself. And on Saturday, yeah. It will be Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday. Saturday, February 6th, at noon to 2, myself, John Ledyard, Mark Cook, uh, Taylor the Grizz, Jenkins, uh, Matt Matea is going to be is going to be there, and uh, and also Super Bowl hero Dwight Smith, and we're working on a couple other guests, but yep. um, we're going to be talking to to Smitty and 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 re re kind of recapturing some of the glory days at Glory Days for uh, for the Buccaneers 2002 Super Bowl and talking about this uh, this upcoming game as well, but. I like that group over Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis, Sean Murphy Bunting, just because of the experience. Safety, right. same thing. John Lynch and Super Bowl MVP Dexter Jackson, mm -hmm. they get the nod over Antoine Winfield and, and uh, Jordan Whitehead. Um, the kickers, right? I think I think now the kickers, Ryan Suckup. I love Martin Automatica Grammatica. He went to Kansas State. He's my guy. Right. But statistically speaking, Suckup has him beat by a long shot this year. And then Bradley Pinion with his kickoffs and punting, I think, is better than Tom Tupa. So you add up all the position groups. John, you got the 2020 Buccaneers with six wins and oh. two Buccaneers with five wins in terms of the position groups. Wow, so close. We'll see if they can match history and become right. the second Buccaneer team to win a Super Bowl. I think we would give. I think we would give the the Chiefs the, the nod over every Raiders position group that year, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. I don't yes. think maybe not O line right now. The Chiefs' current state, but, yes, exactly. Uh, other than that, I think it would be pretty. Uh, yeah, Chiefs chasing some some uh, some dynasty. I think right now, and uh, Bucks need to make sure they prevent that from happening this year at least. Yeah. Um, but yeah, fun stuff. I like hearing those comparisons. That's pretty interesting because it takes me back. I remember Sean Quarles, man. That was one heck of a player, and nobody ever talked about him, but I always yeah. liked him. I mean, obviously, there were a lot of big names there uh, right. that he had to kind of work around and work through, but he was a, a good player in his own right for sure. Buccaneer Bruce says, February 7th is my 49th birthday. All I want is a Buccaneer Super Bowl win. I want it for That's you, awesome. Buccaneer Bruce, because you, you were in this chat every single podcast yeah. giving us five bucks, man, and we right. super and he's, appreciate he's, it. He's from my hometown, Overland Park, Kansas, so he's in the middle. Oh, that's right. Enemy territory out there in Chiefs Kingdom, that's and right. he's, he's the lone Buccaneer out there. Oh, man. And an old-school Buccaneer at that, so that's awesome. John, um, yes. you know, we, we've spent a little bit of time talking about this matchup. The cool thing is we're going to talk more about it on Wednesday, and then we're going to have Dwight Smith out there at Glory Days on Saturday for our podcast. I'm sure you'll do some more Bucks Chiefs preview on Thursday. Mm -hmm. But yep. let's, let, let's uh, since there wasn't a game to hand out game balls for this week's um, Bucks uh, podcast, right. we, we typically do like a recap podcast, but there wasn't a game. Right. Uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a segment called 
Big Ballers. Big Ballers. Let's go. <laughs> We're going to be talking about which players, which Buccaneers on offense and defense need to ball out in order for them to, to become the Super Bowl champions and dethrone the Chiefs. But, John, before we do that, yes, are you ready for some Before we do that, I'm very ready. Okay. Because the biggest game of the year is upon us, February 7th in Tampa. And it's time to get your balls feeling super. Oh, John, yeah. Our partners at Manscaped are here to tell you to join the nearly 2 million men who trust Manscaped products for their mm -hmm. below-the-waist grooming needs. So you might have seen those Manscaped ads with Gronk, right? He's, he's a Manscaped guy. Take oh, yeah. Gronk's advice and shave your super balls. Use the best tools to reduce nicks and cuts before the best game and choose the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Included is the Lawnmower 3.0, which is simply the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of the ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your snags will be reduced. Very important. Mm. Don't settle for unnecessary roughness below the waist, John. It also is waterproof technology and a 90 minute battery. Believe me when I tell you. This is the Super Bowl champion of all ball trimmers, right? Oh, this is the perfect package. 100%. It comes, the perfect package 3.0 comes with the crop preserver, mm -hmm. which Preserve is ball deodorant. Okay. This preserver is the anti-chafing ball deodorant to keep your balls in the game for all four quarters. And it comes with the crop reviver. The crop reviver is a spray-on toner for your balls. It's made with uh -huh. soothing aloe and witch hazel. It's going to give your balls a boost in the clutch time. Manscaped cool. even threw in the shed. That's right. This is a travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. And speaking of comfort, Manscaped has got the best anti-chafing ball box uh, boxer mm. brief that are included in yes. Perfect Package 3.0. John, yes. am I kidding about the boxers? Oh, no, you're not. They're amazing. They are. Like they're they're the best pair of boxers I have, and I'm gonna have to probably order some more for Valentine's Day. That's what I'm telling you. Get me right for Valentine's. Me too. <laughs> so complete your top to bottom grooming game with the new refined cologne signature scent. I've got that right here. This is some good stuff. All right, this is Mrs. Reynolds approved. So mm -hmm. the refined cologne scent. Uh, this is a signature formula, and it, it's a perfect complement to all of your Manscaped products. So it, it's a whole new ball game this year, John. It's a super ball game. Get 20% right. off and free shipping. Use the promo code pewter at manscaped.com. Your super balls will thank you. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code pewter. And uh, if you if you do that, we're going to continue this promotion through the Super Bowl. going to get you a Pewter Report t-shirt, white, oh, black, yeah. or gray. All you got to do is place your order. And guys, Valentine's Day is coming up. So why don't you do yourself a favor and tell your girlfriend or wife what you really want for Valentine's Day. Have her get you this. And then say, oh, hey, babe, um, all you have to do is email the receipt to Scott Reynolds at srpeterreport.com. srpeterreport.com. doesn't have any of your financial information in it. Don't want it. Don't need it. But it's going to have your address. That's what I do need to send you that free shirt. So be sure to do that. You get a free shirt in addition to all your goodies from Manscaped. Love it. Great stuff. Great incentive there. And now the big baller segment, Scott, where That's we right. pick one player offensively and one player defensively that we think is kind of the most important factor, one of the most important factors yeah. to win in this ballgame. Yep. Yeah. I'm going to go first, John. Uh, offense, Tom Brady. You want me to go first? You want to go, go No, go I'm going to go first. Tom Brady, mm -hmm. you, you got to be the man, right? Uh, you can't let you yep. can't let the young goat, um, you know, take over your territory, and um, you know you, you got to be king of the hill. You got to be the, the the king of the jungle here, and um, I think Brady's got to outplay Mahomes, and what that means is three touchdowns or more. But I think he has to throw three touchdowns. The magic number for this game is thirty points, John. Tampa Bay is thirty uh, when they score thirty points. They're eleven and zero this year. And yeah. guess what? They didn't make that the last time. They were held to 24 points by the Chiefs' defense. So I think Tom Brady's got to find a way to get this team to 30 points or more, and he has got to outplay Mahomes. Uh, on the defensive side, I'm going to cheat. It's not just one guy. It's two guys. It's Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett. They, got, they have to work in tandem to take advantage of this banged-up Chiefs' offensive line the way they did 
last week in Green Bay, or I should say two weeks ago in Green Bay, uh, against the line that didn't have David Bactieri. We saw Billy Turner have to move from right tackle to left tackle, and Jason Pierre-Paul was able to abuse him for a pair of sacks. Ricky Wagner came in to replace him at right tackle, and he got abused for three sacks. So now you've got the same situation. You have Mike Remmers, who was originally replacing Mitchell Schwartz, who's been out for most of the year with a back injury at right tackle. When Eric Fisher went down, now Remmers has to go from right tackle to left tackle. If you remember against uh, Von Miller in the, the Denver Broncos-Carolina Panthers game, he got turned into a turnstile mm-hmm. by Von Miller. Mm-hmm. So maybe Jason Pierre-Paul and Shaq Barrett can do that to Mike Remmers playing left tackle now while Andrew Wiley moves from right guard to right tackle. And I, I think that both both Barrett and JPP have to have big games against Patrick Mahomes. I agree with you completely, man. Those two guys, ton riding on them, great choices. I'm going to go with the skill guys offensively. I say that kind of generally, but I just think the receivers have to have great game. You know, I mean, I really do. Um, I don't think they had a great game last time against the Chiefs. I don't think they've been – they've had moments, obviously, in the playoffs. You know, somebody has at least. While other guys have struggled, the depth has saved them. But I don't think the stars have been stars in the playoffs, really. Uh, and I, I know Godwin had the big 50-yard catch, and I do give him credit. I think he bounced back, still dropped one. I, I think he almost dropped the 50-yarder, actually caught it on the second try on the way down. But it was a tough catch, so we give him that for sure. But I think they have to be consistently great. I really do. I think these guys have to play – at a really high level as a group. I don't think you can have one guy, you know, Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller saved the day in the Saints game. Well, yeah. or the other guys, you know, AB's been quiet in the playoffs outside of that touchdown against Washington. It's really the only plays made in the playoffs. And so, you know, he's got to come back from injury and make an impact. Mike Evans is, you know, again, great game against Washington. You know, again, he's kind of invisible against the Saints. He's, he doesn't make a couple plays that he should make against the Packers. And so, you know, does he come out and does he play consistently well for all four quarters? Again, I think those guys just have to be great. I'm going to actually write about this for Bucks Briefing and talk about some of the ways that that can happen. So tomorrow morning, look for that column sometime. Um, it'll be up, and uh, I'm just going to be talking about how I think that group, you know, nobody talks about when they talk about Brady. They talk about the defense, Bulls, Arians, Leftwich, uh, the offensive line, but nobody's really talked about the receivers this year. I, I think they've been inconsistent. I think they are extremely talented when they're at their best, and they're my, it's probably the best room in the league. But I think they need to be consistent uh, in this game and consistently dominant for them to win this game. So I'm going to put a lot of pressure on those guys. And then defensively, I mean, you mentioned with JPP and Shaq, and I, I definitely agree with that. But I'm going to put a lot on Winfield, too. I mean, he comes back from injury. Even if Whitehead plays, it might not be 100%. I mean, he's not going to be 100%, and he might not be the same. And I, Winfield comes back, and I think he's just got to make a big impact in the game. And not only it's going to be deep, he's got to be able to read things out and be aggressive. You know, I felt like – the scheme hung Carlton Davis out to dry, but also, you know, these safeties got to think like, where's this ball going? You know what I mean? It's not just Winfield, but it's Edwards too. But Winfield, I think he's going to be put in positions in this game to make an impact. And he's got to make that impact. I think they're going to give him opportunities to play in man coverage, probably against Travis Kelsey based on how they played Jared Cook and how they've moved him around a little bit more in recent weeks and Mike Edwards playing more and him being a good deep option. So uh, he's going to get opportunities deep. He's going to get opportunities over Tyree Hill to make plays so I think he'll be a, a guy that's around the ball a lot in this game, you know, not to mention pressure, you know, sacks potentially and, and blitzing. And so I think there's just a lot of emphasis on the Bucs to make plays in this game. He's been one of the guys, the few guys that has made plays, stripping the ball, uh, rushing the passer in the backfield, you know, uh, in deep coverage and man coverage. Like he's kind of made plays all over. He's made plays in the red zone. He's, I think, three or four pass breakups this season in the end zone. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that, there's not many guys in the league that have done that, especially at safety. So, uh, yeah, he's changed games because of that stuff. It might not go up in the stat sheet as an interception, but it's it's impactful in the same level uh, the ways he saved this team at times in the end zone. And so I think he needs to be that type of player for the Bucks. He was a non-factor, basically. I don't think he was at fault necessarily. He just wasn't an impact player the first time when they played in Week 12. I think he's got to be an impact player this time around, and I think he'll be in position to do so. So yeah. there you have it. There's your big ballers. I see some of you fans uh, kind of – uh, shouting out some people and, and talking about the receivers and stuff and Scotty Miller being thrown in there. Yeah, a different X factor, Scotty Miller for sure. But we were kind of talking about the most important things. Yeah. And obviously, I think between the, what we collectively said, we kind of touched on a lot of what we think John, that is. John, we're talking about the most important part of the podcast now. And you know what, what time it is? It's the Celsius three-month oh, giveaway. We made it. That's if right. Around, you made it. Celsius and Pewter Report have teamed up to announce a free product giveaway for three months' supply of Celsius. 
That's originals. That's heat. That's BCAA, Sweden Stevia, meaning eight to 12 pack cases or 96 cases or cans, I should say, 96 cans of your favorite in stock flavors. Two lucky Pewter Report podcast listeners and viewers will be chosen at random to win that three month supply of Celsius. Here are the details. This is all you got to do. Subscribe to Pewter Report TV on YouTube. Should have done it already. If you haven't, do it now. Take a screen capture of it with your with your cell phone. Uh, number two, follow Celsius Official on either Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. They'd love for you to do all three, but they're only making you do one. Once you do that, do a screen capture on your phone. Number three, if you haven't done it yet, screen capture the fact that you've subscribed to Pewter Report TV on YouTube and that you have followed Celsius Official on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Number four, go submit your entry to www.celsius.com backslash pewter. That's all you got to do. They're going to ask you for your name, your email address, and have you upload those two screen captures. That's it. And you could win three months supply of Celsius. That's 96 cans, people. That's good stuff. The contest ends February 8th, and the winners will be chosen shortly thereafter and notified by Celsius. So hell of a promotion, John. They want it to thank you all. Promotion. Celsius is awesome. Yeah, for it for you know watching the podcast and and listening to it so it's fantastic it's free to enter and all you got to do is just follow the instructions yeah absolutely it's gonna be fun stuff and it's gonna be fun stuff this week on the podcast as well like you said wednesday we'll have our preview show we'll get into some of the uh, the stats uh for this game and we'll have some insight uh from the chief's perspective as well uh, and our predictions in our predictions as well yes we'll have that as well and then thursday we'll have some guests on the show got some fun stuff lined up for thursday uh, I think it's going to make uh, everybody. It's going to be very interesting show. Not going to be the type of show uh, that we always uh, that we always have, but um, it's going to be fun. I think uh, so. A little bit something unique coming on Thursday, and then Saturday, like Scott said, noon to two will be a glory days, uh, and it's going to be a blast. We're going to be live uh, yep. right there, and so come on down to that Carol location. Honestly, they have such good food. I can't wait. They're make they're uh, opening a glory days in two weeks right out by where I live. And Scott, you've raved about them since before you moved down here. So yeah, come out, try the food. Pewter Report giveaways, Glory Days giveaways. Celsius will be there. And if mm -hmm. you haven't tried Celsius yet, we're going to give you some free cans. So you can check it out for free with some free Celsius cans and swag. It's going to be a great time. Yeah, and the lightning you're kicking tail right now is Charlie Abrams is reminding yeah, us. So. Great, great day to be a Tampa Bay fan. Great year to be a Tampa Bay fan. Yeah. So we appreciate you all tuning in and listening. And we'll be back on Wednesday on the Pewter Report podcast. Until then, thanks so much for listening to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Out. Out.